PR's Top Pros Talk, The Evolution of Pharmaceutical Companies, featuring Stacey Bernstein, CEO of M. Booth Health. And here's your host, Doug Simon. Americans' attitudes about health are so important to actually communicating about health to the public. Stacey, can you tell us a bit about the survey you conducted? Sure. Uh, so it's called the Pharma Brandemic. We did the first wave of it in early 2021, where we had a hypothesis that um, is probably not surprising, but that there must be a heightened and increased awareness of, of the pharmaceutical industry following COVID-19. And of course, we saw that. We fielded the next version of the survey this year because what we wanted to see was did that awareness and empowerment have staying power? Has it really, you know, as COVID changes and our awareness and, and engagement with that changes, has that also continued to truly change the way that people manage their health decisions? Yeah. And what were some of the top findings that maybe surprised you or didn't surprise you? I mean, there's so many. The The reality is, yes, it had staying power. Um, patients are even more aware of pharmaceutical companies, aware of the differences between treatments. They're far more engaged in their health than ever before. Um, and some of the inklings of data that we saw in 2021 really increased, one of which that I find fascinating is that more than half of Americans now see pharmaceutical companies as lifestyle brands akin to you know Nike and Apple. And that was incredibly surprising, just that shift of how you see an industry evolve throughout your experience with the global pandemic. With the idea that people think of a pharmaceutical company as a lifestyle brand, how does that inform your communications? Is that a good thing for an organization? It's a bad thing. Obviously, it's a thing that's real that you have to deal with. What are some of the best ways you approach that? I mean, I think it's a great thing. You know, the industry needs to be pushed and, and certainly pushed in the direction of authenticity. So when you think about people's experience with disease, it is inherently uncomfortable. And yet historically, as an industry, we have pretended that it's not. You know, you see the patient running through a field of daisies with the perfect sunlight, you know, peeking over their shoulder. And that's not the reality of how people live with disease. And so I think that the way that Americans see pharma companies really pushes us to think about how do we connect in more meaningful and authentic ways. Um, one of the survey stats that was incredible and also slightly frightening was that 58% of Americans say that how a pharma company communicates with them is just as important as how effective their treatment is. So when you think about that, communications is, is really profound. And so we have to be creative. We have to recognize that our competitive set is fundamentally different. And when we're thinking about communications, you think about social media and getting someone's attention in the feed, your content has to be just as compelling as that of these lifestyle brands. It's really raised the bar for the industry. Based on this, I'm canceling my two o'clock appointment to run through a field of daisies with the sun yeah. shining over my back. But do the findings you talk about, does that make people more confident about challenging their doctor? Yeah, 100%. There's quite a bit of data that says that patients are very comfortable challenging their physician, um, you know, turning down a recommended treatment and demanding something else. And when you think about 
why it's that, you know, largely out of necessity, patients are smarter and more engaged than ever before. There was some really interesting Gen Z data that we found that 59% of Gen Z respondents have read clinical trial data in the last 12 mm. months. And then likewise, 56% say they've read a medical journal. I mean, that is, you know, unprecedented to use the, the U word of 2020. Um, and, and I think that, you know, they had to, right? COVID pushed every person in the world to care about health in a different way, in the way that if you're a patient and you're diagnosed with a disease, you go out and seek that information, you get smart. Now every American has done that. And so, you know, you even just think about the vernacular of Americans, everybody knows what efficacy means now. That's sort of dinner table talk. And, and that was never the case before, right? Um, I think also when you think about BIPOC Americans in particular, and there's some interesting data around BIPOC um, population. And that's Black Indigenous People of Color. People aren't familiar with the acronym. Correct. Um, you know, COVID not only forced them to be more engaged in the same way it did all Americans, but it also brought up um, a lot of distrust of the past, right? So if you hadn't heard of the Tuskegee experiment before 2020, right. you certainly did by 2020, you know, midway through the year. And so again, patients had to be smarter and more informed, and they certainly went out and started seeking information in ways we've never seen. Yeah, now you're talking sort of about two groups, clearly the groups that are reading medical journals, studies are pretty informed. And even the ones that follow Tuskegee Institute and that information, you know, are following the news and getting information. But even though on one hand, it might seem like a good thing that people are reading medical studies, there's also more misinformation out there that can, you know, create a conversation that can be challenging for the medical professional and for the patient's own good. Yeah, I mean, 99% of HCPs that we surveyed said that they have a patient coming to them with misinformation every week. And it's a huge concern, you know, and when you think about how people get their information, obviously data tells us that largely from social media, that's where we're seeing misinformation. But the biggest result of that is that the healthcare journey starts, it doesn't start with the HCP anymore. It starts online, right? And that creates a tremendous opportunity for misinformation. So the whole physician patient dynamic has evolved. You used to go to the doctor and it's it's almost funny to say this now. You used to go and say, I have these symptoms, what's wrong with me? Now you go to the doctor and you say, I have these symptoms. I think I have this disease and I'd like this treatment because I read that it has better efficacy and the side effects aren't as bad. And, and that is a fundamental shift that puts a lot of power in the hands of those distributing misinformation online. Now, does that also put power and increase the importance of what and how communicators are sharing information on behalf of the companies they work with? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an imperative now for communicators to correct that misinformation or at least outpace it, right? You're never going to have the scale to be able to correct every piece of misinformation. We see that on you know, through the news with various um, unnamed social media networks, but the role of communications in disseminating credible and authentic and scientifically validated information has never been more important. And there is a responsibility, you know, respondents of the survey said they want the pharma industry to help them to determine what is false and what is real. And so if you're in pharma communications, outpacing misinformation has to be a critical part of what you do. So how do you go about 
doing that. I mean, disseminating it is one thing, and clearly that's you know step one. But how do you make sure it takes hold? Is there new research that can show what's more effective in how you communicate and engage and where people hear information from that might be more persuasive and could help counter a lot of the misinformation, which I think is driven by a profit motive, maybe by unscrupulous people as well. I don't know that there's there's a firm answer to that, right? Um, I think we're all looking for it. Um, again, it's, you know, we were talking before about how do pharma companies communicate differently? You have to get your message out amidst a lot of noise, right? Not just misinformation, but the fact that you are competing with a different competitive set that, you know, every company in the world now is a health company to some degree. And so Mm -hmm. raising the bar of how we communicate is really important. It goes back to authenticity, transparency. I think the speed with which we communicate has to increase. You know, I always go back to one of my favorite communications examples in the pharma industry. It's getting old, but, um, in 2018, I don't know if you remember, Roseanne Barr went on a racist rant on Twitter and she came out and blamed it on Ambien. And Sanofi, the maker of Ambien, could have very easily played from the usual communications playbook, which is issue a very lengthy press release that right. nobody reads and sounds very medical. And instead, right. you know, by 10 o'clock the next morning, they had come out with a perfectly worded tweet that was written in human language that said, basically, while all medications have side effects, racism is not one of them. And that not only went crazy on social media, but media actually wrote about their response. And when you think about how pharma has to engage, it is faster, it's more authentically, it's more honestly in language that consumers are going to understand that's gonna resonate with them. Yeah, and I think part of that'll be taking a realistic view of what they can't say, and what they need to say being more important, obviously doing it in a way that you're not hyping off label things, et cetera, and doing what you clearly can't do, but you do need to be out there competing. Any final thought you want to leave the audience with? Maybe trends in 2023, is this going to get worse? Is it going to expand? Where do you see it going this year? Look, I think it's safe to say that misinformation isn't going anywhere. Um, But I also think that this trend of patient empowerment um, of them driving their health decisions has a lot of staying power as well. I say communications has never been more important. Um, This is really the moment for health communicators to step up, to play an active role in helping to guide more informed, smarter decisions about people's health, helping to broker a better physician-patient relationship because we're seeing that fractured a bit because of the environment in which we're living. Really helpful, important information. Thanks so much for participating with us. Thanks for having me, Doug.